Welcome to the South Bank Think Tank, the podcast where we discuss the big questions in our society across community health, digital innovation, sustainability, education, and social justice. I'm Matt Rogers, and I'm joined today by my co-host Jody Morris. Hello. Hi. In today's episode, we are taking a look at digital performance as it becomes an ever more important medium in the future of the arts, not least since the onset of the coronavirus pandemic. Like many others, theatre professionals have moved to remote day-to-day working, as well as adapting their shows so that audiences could participate from their homes. To discuss the impact of virtual theatre, we're lucky to be joined by two leading LSBU academics, lecturers Tanya Roberts and Dan Barnard. At LSBU, Dan leads the Digital Performance Research Group, which studies interactive theatre with the aid of digital technologies. Tanya is a producer for the LSBU Student Theatre Company, meeting the challenges of the pandemic with online broadcasts, as well as promoting diversity and inclusivity in the industry. Hello, Tanya and Dan, and many thanks for joining us on today's episode of the South Bank Think Tank podcast. Our theme for today's episode is the future of the arts and how the emergence of digital technologies is changing the way performers interact with their audience, particularly since the onset of the pandemic. But before we dive into that, we like to ask every guest on our show a question about turning their passion or interest into your purpose. So Tanya, we'll start with you. As a theatre director, I wondered if you could shed some light on why you chose to pursue this line of work. Hello, Jodie and Matt. Um, Oh, straight in with a tough question. (laughs) Uh, So I suppose sort of thinking back um, to the beginning, I think a bit like the boy in a cheesy rom-com who uh, first dates the geeky girl for a bet, I probably got into drama for all the wrong reasons um, as an egotistical 10-year-old that wanted to show off and quite liked the idea of being famous. Uh, But um, like the boy in the rom-com, I ended up falling in love with it for all the right reasons. And I realised it wasn't all about my ego and that you're collaborating with your fellow actors and supporting each other and playing and experimenting and um, discovering together. There's a great sense of camaraderie and it's fun, but it can also be really challenging at times. And I really believe that it's a craft that you can really work on and develop and you can learn things about yourself. Um, so um, personally, I started out with acting um, and then I created a theatre company with friends on sort of graduating from university. And I naturally moved into directing that way. So I was enjoying the work that I was um, doing with that company. So that felt a bit more creative, where we had a bit more autonomy. I was enjoying that more than going to auditions or (laughs) most of the time hanging around waiting for auditions and then uh, putting loads of effort in and thinking I probably won't get this. And even if I do, do I really want it? Isn't it a bit naff? Um, so I naturally moved more towards directing and creating my own work. And then um, I decided to go back and do some training. I, I went and did a master's in theatre directing. Um, but I'm, I'm still, as a director, really passionate about acting. And I think one thread that's always remained throughout, um, as both an actor and an audience member, is a lot just a love of pretending to be someone else or stepping into another world. Um, so as a kid, I loved imaginative play and my cousin, me and my cousins, we'd sort of dress up in all kinds of costumes and do 
like role play or I don't know, make a hospital for snails in the garden or something like that. Um, and yeah, I just love learning about another time and place, stepping in someone else's shoes, trying to understand what makes someone behave the way they do. And that's never gone away. And I, I doubt it ever will. Amazing. Well, you definitely got the best of both worlds from starting off with acting and then being able to create your own work must be really rewarding. Um, well, the same question is to you, Dan. So tell us a bit about how you turned your passion or interest into your purpose and pursued this line of work. So I think I kind of ended up as a theatre director for some quite similar reasons to Tanya. I think what I love about it so much is that you can, it combines so many different things. So it's got psychology in it. It's got um, a lot of aesthetics in it. So how things look. Um, it's storytelling and how do you structure and tell a story. And I also love that on every single project uh, I make, I get to learn loads about a random thing <laughs> that the the piece is about or it's set in so I get to sort of spend my whole life like learning new and interesting things which I think feels really rewarding and it's a sort of a, a job that involves trying to get the best out of other people so I used to I used to be in a band as a teenager and then I was the drummer and I realized I was really good at like leading the band and organizing rehearsals and getting the best out of the others but I was a really bad drummer so I think there's kind of a lesson for that, that I was like, oh, I'm actually a person who gets the best things out of other people rather than, um, yeah, rather than someone who needs to be on stage himself. Amazing. Thank you. I've got a quick question for you guys, because it, it sounds like I can really hear your passion for, for theatre. But obviously we're recording this during, during lockdown and with the coronavirus pandemic going on. And theatre's changed a lot, right? It's, you know, had to move into this virtual realm to offer us that comfort and entertainment during what's a difficult time for people. So I was just wondering, as theatre directors, um, could you speak about some of the recent online productions you've been involved with and also give us some insight to how your job has changed since the pandemic started? So I've recently been working on a, a radio play or it's actually a radio vision play. So there's sort of illustrations um, by an artist that accompany the audio. Um, it's not a medium I've ever directed in before, or I may not have had an, an opportunity to if it hadn't been for lockdown. So it's been interesting to learn about um, and experience that format. Um, in terms of creating my own work, because um, the radio play, I was kind of brought in by a um, uh, there was a company with already had the writer producer and the artists on board and they just wanted to bring someone in to kind of lead the rehearsals and uh, get the performances up to scratch but uh, with creating my own work I did some R&D last summer for a very uh, small scale intimate site-specific piece of theatre and um, the plan was to put that on as a full production this summer but I had to put that on hold and I I toyed with trying to imaginatively transpose it into an online performance or a socially distanced piece. And I had a few ideas, but the site itself and the, the kind of close proximity with the audience was actually so much a part of the, the piece that it would have become another show. So uh, I decided to wait on that one. So I think while there have been amazing imaginative and innovative responses in online performance, there are also a lot of shows that are kind of waiting to be brought to life and and shared in a physical space and um regards to our work with students as well we've had to respond creatively to make sure um 
that they're getting a quality experience from their course, that it's an exciting program in itself, uh, that it's not just a, a kind of stand-in for live performance. I say live like it's in inverted commas because I'm aware that virtual performance can be live. Um, so in producing the professional season where we have visiting directors and companies come in to work with the students, um, we've had their stage productions turn into film productions, which is a good experience for them in terms of working in front of a camera. Um, we've brought in actually Dan's company, Fast Familiar, to conduct uh, residencies with them. So they're learning from current, original, um, cutting edge digital practice and learning to well develop their own material that's suitable for a digital format um and then the, just the other thing i wanted to say in terms of um how the pandemic has affected my work um i'm just aware that i'm incredibly lucky and privileged to have this job as a lecturer where i'm kind of not financially sustained and it would wouldn't feel fair not to acknowledge the massive financial tragedy that's fallen on the sector with so many venues struggling and well many more freelance artists falling through the cracks as well um so i i do have hope that the industry will rise again but the pandemic has definitely had a devastating effect on theatre and performance yeah definitely and do you think when it rises do you think any of the digital side of it will will live on or is it just a kind of fad because we're in lockdown at the moment no, I, I think it will live on. And I think, I mean, Dan will talk more on this, but um, companies like uh, Fast Familiar and Coney, they were, they were doing this work before the lockdown anyway. Um, uh, but hopefully lockdown has kind of encouraged more companies to try it out and brought those companies that are already working that field to the fore a bit more. Hopefully, hopefully it's given them a bit more of an audience. So, yeah, I think it definitely will live on. Um, but I also think there's going to be a massive hunger for sort of physically shared space events. Definitely. And then just, just going to you then, Dan, because it sounds like you're a bit of a trailblazer in the digital side of things, even maybe pre-COVID. Can you give us a bit of insight into, into your world? Yeah, so I guess um, to backtrack a little bit, I we started making interactive performance uh, quite a few years ago because we were increasingly our pieces were asking the audience to change uh, their lives in some way. So we're making work about climate change and other sort of big ideas like that. And we found it kind of weird that we were asking people to sit quietly in the dark while we <laughs> invited them to action. So we wanted to start sort of modeling that, taking action within within the work itself. And then it started to really seem to make sense to to use digital technology to help facilitate that sort of the audience being active within the work and interacting within the work. So we were doing sort of digital interactive performance before we ever heard of COVID. And um, it's been really interesting in terms of how that's been able to move online. So um, one of our sort of um, most successful pieces has been, we've got a series of two pieces that are where the audience are a jury. So when we did this pre-pandemic, it was on iPad, so there'd be 12 audience members, each with an iPad, and they'd get videos of um, 
uh, like witnesses in the case and documents relating to the case and audio and prompts on the iPads to um, discuss the case with each other and interact. And we used to do that with people physically in a room together with them all having iPads. Sometimes we would do those in actual the actual jury deliberation rooms in actual law courts. Um, and then obviously when the pandemic happened, we were like, uh, we, you know, how do we move this work online? Can we move this work online? So one of the three art lead artists in our company, Joe McAllister, is a, a computational artist. So he designed software and he created a, a version of this same piece that, that he'd built for iPads to work online. So it has a video call integrated within it, but you only see the other jurors in the discussion phases. And then at other times you watch the videos and you read the documents and, and you vote and so on. So that's sort of one of the ways we transitioned online. Um, and that piece has been really exciting because when we used to have the 12 jurors, it would obviously be 12 jurors who lived in a particular part of the country, which would be really exciting. And since doing it in the pandemic, we've actually had uh, jurors from all over the world joining in a single jury. So people from Saudi Arabia, talking to people from Nigeria, talking to people from Scotland uh, in the same jury. So that, that was really interesting and exciting uh, project. We've also... Um, started making uh, we got very interested in the world of sort of online puzzle games and escape rooms we were just playing a load of those in like early in lockdown to, uh, to entertain ourselves and there's something to sort of do together and then we were like i think that there's you know there's things that we know about acting and about story that we could bring to take this kind of stuff to a different place um, so we created two pieces um, which are we call them an interactive audio book come puzzle game so there's uh sections which are like story with audio from actors and you see illustrations on the screen of the different characters who are talking to each other and then that you need to solve different puzzles to kind of move the story onwards so we've got a piece that's actually on at the moment called bad altitude uh, which is about you're helping this um air steward on this airplane in which absolutely everything is going wrong and so uh, you get sort of the bits of the, the comedy story in that and then uh, bits as an audience member where you have to sort of solve puzzles to help move to the next phase and that features my professional acting debut <laughs> uh, much later in my life than I originally planned as the child who wanted to be a great actor um, but it's been fun to sort of uh, experiment with, with new things in the online world. Amazing Dan I did see the trailer for Bad Attitude and it looks really interesting and it's great that you've been able to move your work online and it's been an easy transition for you. I guess my question is do you think that it's I mean, I'm, I, I do love the theatre and I love experiencing the theatre and that whole immersive experience. And, you know, you make a day of it, you make an evening of it. Do you think the absence of human engagement in person kind of has a negative impact on the arts and certain performances? I think that kind of, you know, every art form, I suppose, has its own... Uh, strengths and is brilliant in its own right and I really think uh, digital performance has, has proved itself in that regard uh, but yes I also completely agree with you Jodie and I can't wait to get back into a shared space mm. and uh, yeah. have a communal experience with other people in the room um, 
there's a reason why you know yeah because you know film for example is you know such an accessible medium we can watch it in our homes but there's a reason why we make the effort to go out and sit in a theater um mm. and that that learning is still very much there for me yeah i think uh i mean i really agree i think there's a lot that people miss about uh live performance and that i miss you know i dream about going to the theater i actually have dreams about it and i wake up and like, ah, i can't do that for months so uh yeah so it is it you know it is a, a, a um yeah it is a different thing i think in terms of um what we do i think it's it, there's different ways of creating immersion i think there's kind of immersion by uh, by what surrounds you, and then there's also you can immerse people by really, really engaging them in what in what's going on and in the activity that you're asking them to do. So I think what we try and and achieve is that different kind of immersion, and also trying to generate a social experience with the other people that you're playing mm -hmm. with. So bad altitude, you play with a group of friends. Um, uh, the evidence chamber is with a group of of eleven other strangers. So it's about trying to find that the things that we're really missing during this pandemic, the kind of the deep social engagement with strangers, which I, I really, really miss, is one of the things I was really trying to sort of replicate with the evidence chamber. I'm wondering whether, because of what we're seeing, all these cool new digital initiatives and digital performances, do you think it's opening up the medium to a more diverse audience, you know, um, in terms of Young, younger people, or I know there's a view, stereotypical view that, you know, particularly the West End theatre is for kind of like the white upper class. Do you think we'll see a change in more diverse people in theatres moving forward? Um, so, yeah, so I really hope so. I think there are some things that are definitely working in some ways. So, for example, one of our pieces, you, you can do it, experience it at any time that you want. And I know I've heard from people who are parents of young children that that really works for them because you don't have to hire a babysitter. You can start experiencing the show when your child has gone to sleep. Um, so I think there's certain audience groups that this the kind of ease of the online engagement works for. I think also it, it lets you uh, engage more if you live in a remote rural area where it's challenging to get to the theatre and I think some of the amazing things the National Theatre have done in terms of broadcasting their shows um, nationwide are, are great in that sense. Um, I don't know how far otherwise theatre has reached beyond people who already liked the theatre um, but that's something that I think uh, research needs to be done into. And, and I'm actually working with some other researchers around the UK to develop a project that might partly look at, at those questions. So I think it's something that's really worth exploring. Um, just flipping that question on its head a little bit, I'm just thinking from the perspective of um, theatre directors and producers. I mean, Tanya, you mentioned about your, your company. I imagine it's much more financially viable to put on digital productions. Um, is that the case? Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I'm sure there's obviously exceptions to the rule. I know um, some of Fast Familiar shows use some quite um, sophisticated um, technology. But yeah, I think, generally speaking, it is more um, financially accessible. And that's probably great for um, emerging artists and people that want to experiment and try things out so um 
I do hope that the Arts Council will go on to uh, keep funding this kind of work as well moving forward. I'm possibly less sure about how it's going to play out financially. I have some worries that people will get used to having things that they can stream either for free or che more cheaply than they'll pay for theatre tickets and whether or not they then will be willing to, especially potentially in a recession, pay the kind of money that they used to pay to go out to the theatre. I really hope so because of the, the valuing of the live experience and things. I think there will still, I I mean, I don't know who we, we don't really know, do we? But my instinct is that people will still pay to go to the theatre. Maybe they won't pay premium. Maybe uh, there'll have to be some compromise there. But um, I, one concern I do have is that I worry that um, because of the, the sort of recession, um, theatre houses might play it safe in terms of their programming and program the kind of work that they know people will inevitably show up for and pay for and yeah I worry that it could potentially affect sort of more fringe and experimental work. I agree and is there a danger that they'll really program for their their like white middle class older audiences because mm. they just need to get that money in quickly and all the great work that was being done to widen and diversify audiences might have to take well not have to but be perceived as having to take mm. a back seat for a few years and I think that would also be a real shame if it were to happen and, and I hope it doesn't. Just quickly I'm just really interested to know just a little bit about the creative process and how you've had to change and adjust. So from the rehearsal process to, um, I don't know, table readings and just thinking about the virtual world, editing, considering different lighting options and really thinking about how the audience will be consuming um, these opportunities. How have you had to adjust the creative process? Oh, tricky. Well, in terms of um, directing, um actors and developing their performances not too much has changed i mean yes the style might shift slightly on screen to from a large performance space we have to project and your movements need to transcend through the space and have to register with the audience but essentially i do believe uh, good acting is good acting um you know do they fully understand the given circumstances of the character they're playing to affect the other characters they're genuinely listening and responding in the moment to the other characters um but there have been lots of sort of small challenges, things like Zoom fatigue, um, distractions. Um, so try to combat this with sort of more breaks and rather than long extended warm up games and exercises, lots of quick bursts of intermittent ones to keep people awake and energized. Um, one challenge that quite a few students have mentioned to me recently, actually, is that um, if you're working on Zoom, the self-consciousness of seeing yourself on the camera which must be a mm. weird experience for an actor um potentially quite a dangerous one um it is harder to immerse yourself in the world of the play when you're in your own house rather than in the blank canvas of a rehearsal studio so uh lots of kind of visualization exercises have helped with this um but ultimately certainly in terms of from the acting perspective um i think it's important not to let online rehearsals differ too much from studio rehearsals and 
again, this is something we've emphasised with students, not to get dragged into too much talking and sitting and to actually to try and stay physical and stay active and improvise mm. and experiment. Um, I mean, what, all I was going to say is um, my colleague, uh, Rachel, who uh, her runs Fast Familiar with me, has actually written a blog about working online, which is on our, our website at the moment. But um, one of the things that she sort of talks about in that is that it's, two big things really one is that it's it's harder mm. to know how other people are so it's really important to sort of check mm. in with each other and um see what like where people are at and be really honest about those things um so that doing that the start and end of every rehearsal day i think is really important so that we sort of at, really understand where the people we're collaborating with are um emotionally and I think another really important thing is to to really, yeah, as Tanya was saying, build in strategies for avoiding Zoom fatigue. So we've been doing shorter rehearsal days, um, but and also doing like bits where we all come together and work on um, developing areas of something, and then bits where we break out into smaller groups and uh, solve different areas or write different scenes and come back together, and also periods of time when different individuals have different rehearsal tasks or writing tasks, and actually go offline and go and work on it on your own and come back. So I think it, it's really just about being clever about how to not just be all of you together looking at each other on Zoom all day. Um, and I think it's really important to also just find ways of, of relaxing at the moment. I think it's very easy to you can roll out of bed and yeah. start working and then roll back into bed at the end of the day. Do you think there's been any overwhelming or outstanding positives that you will take back into the physical world for want of a better phrase? Um, maybe like Tanya working with students um, and actors, is there anything you'll you'll be taking into the into the new normal when we get there? Good question. Um I don't know. I think we always kind of have the students' well-being at heart. But yes, maybe some of these approaches, kind of more breaks and um, more kind of um, short intermittent warm-up and energizers. Yeah, maybe they are useful. Um, I think as a teacher, you always have to kind of um, adapt and be flexible and read the room and really try and respond to what's, to what's needed at the time. So. Um, I think there's there's going to certainly going to be a transition period where people might be very tired. Although we we all have Zoom fatigue at the moment, actually going back into the physical world might initially be a bit of a shock to the system. And uh, a few students have expressed to me that they're worried they've forgotten how to act or how to be a student. Um, so I think there's there's going to be an adjustment period. So. Yes, I think we do have to keep this thing that we've been doing of um, trying to continue what's at the, the core of the work and what we're passionate about, but being very flexible about how we do that and trying to think imaginatively and resourcefully. Definitely. Now, that, that all sounds that's all really positive. And um, Dan, I just wonder, in your world, is there anything you'll be taking forward into the, the new normal? I think... One thing I'm really hopeful about is I think it's produced a great acceleration in people's confidence with using technology, mm -hmm. which I think is really exciting. And um, 
you know, the sort of work that we used to make was very much a thing for the early adopters, for the people who are really keen on tech and things. And I'm hoping that it will kind of have a more widespread appeal because everybody's got so much more confident um, with digital technology now. So that's one thought I have. I'm also really hoping, and especially post-Brexit, I'm really hoping that it will enable more internationalism because we desperately need that. Um, so I'm developing a project with another company who makes similar work in Austria called Play Vienna. And we used to meet up in our respective cities and like work together. But I'm, what I'm really excited about now is that I'm actually developing a project online with them and we can more gradually develop something over a longer period of time. Just because we're so much more used to, to collaborating online than we were, it means we can actually collaborate with people all over the world in a creation process and then share our work with people all over the world uh, in performances. And um, we're actually hoping as a company to develop some pieces that specifically invite audience members to interact with people in other parts of the world. So as our, as our time um, together kind of draws to a close and the, the curtains are about to be drawn, um, I was just, just wondering if you could both recommend, you know, a project that's coming up or something that's been done over the last 12 months that people should go and check out. Um, starting with you, please, Tanya. Um, a really interesting project that I've seen recently that um, it was initially a live project, but with lots of integrated interactive technology, and then it moved online. And hopefully it, it's kind of um, been revived at a couple of festivals. So hopefully it will come back at some point. But if not, definitely check out the work of the company. Um, the Javad Ali Poor company um, recently saw um, Rich Kids, um, a history of shopping malls in Tehran. I definitely recommend. Something that might be really nice in a pandemic is um, a piece uh, that um, a colleague of mine uh, wrote called The Window, which is coming out quite soon, uh, which is a binaural sound piece. So um, it's very technological, but you it's purely headphones and you actually listen to it with your eyes closed. And I think it might be a really interesting um, break from, from Zoom fatigue. Um, and uh, yeah. Well, Tanya and Dan, thank you so much for your time today. We are going to wrap it up and um, just want to say thank you Thanks for, for being with us today. Thanks for questions. It's been good to reflect, actually. No worries. Thanks for your time, guys. All the best. Thank you. It was really fun. So I found that to be a really insightful conversation around how theatre has changed with the pandemic. I guess, Jodie, what was your key takeaway from that conversation we just had? Yeah, um, well, I really enjoyed listening to Dan and Tanya, hearing from two people who are in the arts world talk about how the arts world has had to change and adapt during this time has been really interesting. And um, you asked Matt about the accessibility to um, theatre and it being open to a more diverse audience, which I think is really true, but it also made me think of the opportunity of being exposed to different aspects of the creative process. I remember um, last year, deep in lockdown 2020, I was watching a virtual table reading and I thought this is not something that I would have been exposed to if it wasn't for lockdown. And it was so interesting. I mean, it was some 
Hollywood A-lister heavyweights. There was Morgan Freeman, there was Brad Pitt, there was Shia LaBeouf, there was Jennifer Aniston, Julia Roberts, and seeing a Zoom screen with all of these A-list faces doing a table reading, and I'm able to sit there and be entertained by it and get a sneak peek into that aspect of the creative process. I was like, wow, so there's definitely pros to lockdown and how it's affecting the arts world. Yes, it's allowing us to get behind the curtain, as it were, and and see what really happens. Mm. Do you think that will inspire more young people to get into acting when they see that creative process? I think so. I mean, it just, it seems more accessible just by its very nature. You're in your living room and you're seeing this and you're involved in it and you're engaged with it. I think, you know, it opens people's minds. So hopefully more young people will get involved. Let's hope so. And I guess that kind of links in nicely with my biggest takeaway from the episode where I think the big boys, so you've mentioned the actors, but I think, you know, the big theatre companies and the big production studios need to be braver, I think, when we come out of lockdown. So Tanya made the point around there's a risk that everyone will go back to doing, you know, the typical shows that they know are going to sell, things like Phantom of the Opera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But what we've seen in lockdown is that creativity starts to come out and new types of performances. So I really hope that that theatres are a bit braver and kind of support that diverse kind of approach to the creative and get different voices out there. So um, let's watch this space. Mm. Mm. So for, for the audience, if there's anything you've been obviously watching remotely um, that you think we should share with our audience, um, share it with us. Get in touch with us at content at lsbu.ac.uk. You can also tag us on social media at, at LSBU. And if you had any thoughts on the episode, we'd love to hear from you. So that's all from us. Until next time, take care.